Zipper rolls out to the right, pitches off to Taylor, and Taylor's to the 20. Down to the 15, down to the 10, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Billy Taylor scored a touchdown from 21 yards out. The crowd goes berserk. It was November 22nd, 1969 that they came to Barry, Michigan, all dressed in maize and blue. The words were said, the prayers were read, and everybody cried. But when they closed the coffin, there was someone else inside. Oh, they came to Barry, Michigan, but Michigan wasn't dead. And when the game was over, it was someone else instead. Eleven Michigan Wolverines put on the gloves of gray, and as the organ played the victors, they laid Woody Hayes away. Under center is Wangler at the 45. He goes back. He's looking for a receiver. He throws downfield to fire. Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Finally, we get to see some Michigan football this week. My guest today on our Michigan Game Day segment is the angel of the big house, beat writer Angelique Shengelis from the Detroit News. Angelique will be along in just a minute to help us kick off the season. On Thursday, we'll have the Visitor's Edition for you, and it's two for the price of one. Former Gator and now pre- and post-game host, as well as sideline reporter on the Gator Radio Network, Brady Ackerman will join us. We will also hear from Scott Carter, who is the beat writer at FloridaGators.com. So a busy week, and let's get the season underway with my view from Section 17. Angelique and I agree we cannot do another preview show, position breakdown program. We've hit the wall, and I'm sure you have too. We need some game action to talk about. And starting this Saturday, we get our wish. We got a look at our maze uniforms on Monday, and I actually like these alternate uniforms for a change. I'm usually lukewarm or not a fan of uh, the alternate uniform kind of thing. The Gators will also be wearing alternate unis for the game. Unlike the experts who think this Michigan team will contend for a Big Ten title and a berth in the playoffs, I have no idea. That is probably what piques my interest about this Saturday's matchup. I know we are loaded with talent on both sides of the ball, but man, are we young. What we'll see when we tee it up against a very good Florida team is what I just don't know. The Gators will be without star wide receiver Antonio Callaway, who is suspended. All told, Florida has suspended eight players in the last two weeks. It will affect their depth, but this is a team that's just loaded with talent, and guess what? They're going to come to play. I can't wait for 3.30 p.m. this Saturday. Neither can my guest today. No one that covers Michigan football has done it longer or better than the angel of the big house, Michigan beat writer Angelique Shengelis from the Detroit News. She joins me next on our Michigan game day here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew.
back with us on our Michigan Game Day segment as we finally get ready for that opener against Florida is beat writer Angelique Shengelis from the Detroit News. Angelique, it's finally game week. It is finally game week, Mike, but I'm still looking for like a month more of summer and <laughs> um, goofing around a little bit, but you know what? I'll take it. We we love this time of year, so uh, I'm ready to embrace it. I am too. We, uh, we all wait for our summer and it's uh, been another <laughs> fast summer, but yes, starting Saturday, it is football season, regardless of the thermostat. Looking uh, at this week, game week, um, I guess the news we had Saturday night was the team vote for captains, and we have captains. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I'm definitely not surprised by Mason Cole and, and Mike McCray. I really thought Maurice Hurst would be a third a third captain. Um, I don't know if, if it was two captains by design or, or how, this, how this shook out. They, um, you know, really got the news mostly from, from social media, from other, from teammates, uh, tweeting about it at first, and then Michigan confirmed later. But um, I'm both are very deserving. I'm Mason Cole talking to him in Chicago, Mike. I mean, he said that was one of the reasons he came back is he mm-hmm. wanted this opportunity potentially to be a captain, and was very moved by what Tom Brady had told the team uh, a couple of years ago about how this was the, the biggest honor, even all the Super Bowls he's, he's won. This was still the, the enormous honor of his career. And, uh, and Mike McCray has really, you know, he's, he's distinguished himself, I think, as a, as a quiet leader and a guy who has really just come on in the last couple of years and a guy who's just so well-respected among his teammates. I saw that a lot in Rome during the, the spring trip. I mean, he's, he's extremely well-respected. And the interesting fact about Mike McCray is that his dad was a captain at Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if that's the first time that's ever happened uh, at Michigan and Ohio State, but fascinating. It really is. I mean, it's just, I don't think, I, I can't, I haven't researched it, Mike, but I just off the top of my head, I've never heard of it. No. Um, you know, I really haven't. So it is a remarkable, I mean, it is, it's an unbelievable achievement. And I think Jamie Morris was on Twitter last night saying that, that it's, it's the greatest honor and, and you don't always have to be the rah, rah, yell at everybody guy, to get everybody going. You can be the quiet leader and, and, you know, I think that, that both of them are probably more that way. I don't know that Mason is, is Mr. You know, yell and get everybody, get the, the troops all ready to go and fire it up in that way. But, um, you know, I, I think it's, I think they're both really, it's a, they're perfect. They're perfect guys to be captain. I agree. So that much we know about the start of game week. And I suppose the <laughs> one topic that's generated the most buzz the last few weeks is why in the world uh, hasn't Jim Harbaugh released an official roster? And we heard this <laughs> last year. Uh, well, really, uh, he did release the St. Francis of Assisi roster from 1973. <laughs> he had that up on Facebook Friday night. Why in the world, I still cannot figure this out, is it such a big deal? Well, it, it's not a big deal. And frankly, I, I, you know, I found it amusing that, that NewJersey.com filed the FOIA. I mean, it was clever. It's a cute story. For me, I don't care. I mean, I know you know pretty much who's on the team, and I know that we will get a roster. It's the two deep last year. He didn't want to release it too deep, and um, you know went round and round with that one, and and saying that you know if you watch film, you know who the the, the two deep that would be, and you don't need a you need you don't need to rely on the sports information director to tell you who the two deep is. So, all right, whatever, that's fine with the two deep. But the roster, I mean, at this point. They will release it on Wednesday, Mike, but now I think it's probably a little bit of, of now knowing that it's, it's gotten under the skin of some people, 
particularly New Jersey writers. <laughs> I, I think that uh, Jim Har probably Jim Harbaugh probably enjoys the little bit of uh, cat and mouse game. Although I'm not sure he's spending a lot of time thinking about it. I would imagine he's spending more time thinking about Florida than than when he wants to release the roster. But um, I, I figured we'd get one before the season started. So patience has been rewarded. Well, soon enough. Well, Monday, tomorrow, a big media day. And we're, again, taping this on Sunday. And listeners to this show email and ask me if I think Jim's going to announce a starting quarterback or discuss that depth chart, etc., etc. And I have a hard time believing he'll give us uh, any of that kind of information uh, tomorrow. How about you? I agree with you, Mike. And I think I was either daydreaming or dreaming last night that Harbaugh's like, just gets up and says, blah, yeah, this is the starting quarterback. And I, I thought, yeah, that's not happening. So I think it must have been a dream. And, uh, no, you know, he hasn't done it yet. He has done it in a couple of years. So I'm not sure why this would be different. Um, he did come out and say a couple of weeks ago that O'Corn and Spade had separated from the group, but he had also sort of done that the last couple of years, giving you a better idea of how it was narrowing. But, um, yeah, I mean, it would be nice if he uh, if he revealed it tomorrow. But, you know, again, it's probably a little gamesmanship. Florida saying that they could play three quarterbacks. They're not saying who they're going to start. And I think they honestly don't know. I think that they're reading all their stories. It's just still really up in the air. And uh, but, yeah, I, I don't I don't think so. I don't think he'll be particularly revealing about depth chart. I think he'll talk about who's progressed and that he expects to play a lot of freshmen because I think that's just how it's going to play out. But um, yeah, I don't think, I don't think he's going to say Wilton Spate's the starting quarterback, but I think we can say that. That was my next topic or next question. I mean, as you mentioned, Jim said it at Big Ten Media Days. He's repeated it mm, one or two times during camp that it's a two-man competition and that's good. That's what he wants. Mm-hmm. But r- really, do you have any doubt that when the offense trots out onto the field Saturday, Wilton Spate's going to be the man under center. I've never waffled on this one. I really haven't. I mean, I've waffled on when I was trying to pick games, which I think this is a really hard season to pick because there's so much youth on the team and we really haven't seen it on the field, obviously. I mean, we saw little bits and pieces of it during the spring game. But, no, I, this one, I, I mean, I just don't know how Wilton Spate lost the starting job. I mean, you know, Harbaugh, I thought it was pretty telling in, in Chicago in July. He said, yeah, you know, we'll have it sort of figured out 10 to 15 practices in. Well, that's, that's a tap to a third way into the uh, into camp. So uh, my hunch is that when we spoke to the quarterbacks about a week and a half ago, that they already knew. I mean, that's the way it's played out the last couple of years is, you know, maybe they came out and acted like they, they didn't know, but they knew. I mean, they, they've been informed and, I think that the way to look at this quarterback situation now, Mike, is is it's pretty good. I mean, it's it's solid. It's you know you got a guy in John O'Corn who says he's improved and and his confidence is back working with Pep Hamilton. That's a plus. And then there's Brandon Peters, who everybody's you know I, the upside is very obvious, but he has got to work on a lot of things, and and namely his his vocal presence on the field, and that was something Harbaugh touched on in July and it's still something that that they're working on and until he has that commanding presence just in terms I know it sounds silly but in terms of his voice and his presence uh, it's going to be a little while but I you know I think that they're both going to see the field after this Florida game unless that was a blowout for some reason you know they'll see the field I think against Cincinnati and mop up duty they'll get some experience but Wilton Spate, how, I don't think he could have done anything to lose his job. And I also agree we are in a good situation uh, at the quarterback position, much better than we've been in a long time. Uh, so mm-hmm. I think the fans should be happy about that. 
But you know, Angelique, one of the focuses this offseason, I guess the quarterback position is always going to be a, a position or the position of focus, especially after the spring game when young Mr. Peters came on and did what he did. We have to expect that. But, you know, in the last month, I've talked to, on the show to John Jansen, Jamie Morris, Greg Skrepinick, last week, Shemmy Schembechler, and they all agree. Uh-oh, there's a theme here. It's yeah, offensive linemen. <laughs> that's exactly it. And they said they agree the position group that we will be watching most closely is that offensive line. And, and you know, mm-hmm. I agree with that, too. Despite the youth, it has to be better this year. And they all said the same thing especially in those short yardage situations late in games when we need just one or two yards. Uh, it made the difference in three losses last year. Oh, that's so true. I mean, it, you go back to Iowa, you go back to Ohio State, that's, that's critical. That was critical time for the offensive line to really be as stout as, as a, using a football term. And, and by the way, I didn't mean to say that Jamie Morris was an offensive lineman. You mentioned you would <laughs> spoken to him, right? But he's part of the running game. Um, but yeah, I mean, I agree with you and, and, you know, I've sort of been focused on the offensive line for the last several years. And, and I think that there are two areas. I think the, the secondary is certainly one to, to be curious about, but the offensive line to me is, is really the hinge here. And, and, you know, I, I think you can look at the three guys who are gone, didn't get drafted. I think that they were, they were fine players. I'm not trying to disparage them, but, you know, I think that they're being replaced and I think they said it last year too, even at at, uh, at pro day, that these guys are going to be more talented, and they're just more. Even though they're young guys, except for Kugler, he's not a young guy. But you got Owenu and uh, and perhaps John Runyon, who hasn't played a lot, less experienced guys coming in. They're going to be more athletic, and and I really think that's going to be the case, Mike. I think to me, this looks like this group of of offensive linemen they had to choose from looks more like. Michigan offensive lines of the old of old and and I just mean yeah they're not going to all be John Jansen or Steve Hutchinson you know those guys it's Nick, but this comes close to being that that five that that you used to see pretty consistently at Michigan I mean really five good offensive linemen and it's going to take them some time to to gel but I I mean I really I think Michael Wendy is going to be really really a, a great addition to this offensive line and Runyon or Bushel Beatty at right tackle. I mean, I, I think that they're going to be fine. I really do. It's just going to take time for them to gel. I think that's that's always expected. I mean, that's always the issue with an offensive line. Well, it is. And that's uh, when I was talking to John Jansen, that was my uh, angle on it, too, that I like the group from a talent perspective. And uh, everyone agrees they bring a little bit of nasty that some of uh, the guys in the last few years haven't and are more athletic. Mm-hmm. And I, I mentioned that to John. He says, Mike, they don't have time. Uh, to get better. They have to be good. Right. Starting at Florida, he said uh, the time to get better was in the weight room in the winter and then uh, working out in the summer. And he said, you know, they have to be good. They don't have to be great. They have to be good. They can get great later, but they've just got to be better than we've been in recent years. Oh, for sure. I mean, I think that John, you know, really hit it on the head. I mean, I think that they're going to be fine. Obviously, you know, it's a known commodity in Mason Cole at left tackle. Uh, you got Bredesen, who who has a year under his belt, not a whole full year of starts, but a lot of them. And I, I really think Kugler is going to be a nice addition. I mean, he's so he's a smart guy. He's waited his turn. He's hungry, and I, I never underestimate that and, and what that does for a player and how it motivates him. And um, you know, I, I think that they're going. I'm not saying they're going to be world beaters. I'm not sure. That, I'm not saying they're going to control a lot of scrimmage all the time, but I think that they're going to be more consistent. And uh, and you're right. I mean, in those late game situations when they need that, 
I think that they're going to be able to, to take care of that. But, I mean, time will tell. Got to see that starting five. If I hear, if I heard them one more time at camp, they're just moving around. I got to get the best, the best five on the field. I'm like, oh, my God, please tell me you haven't figured it out yet, right? <laughs> that was just, you know, they were very well versed. And then the other thing. They kept saying the campus, yeah, we haven't we haven't focused on Florida. We haven't focused focused on Florida. Then Jordan Glasgow the other day says, Oh yeah, we practice a lot for Florida. <laughs> We're like, Yeah, you know, you take it all with a grain of salt. Jay Harbaugh mentioned last week that he is impressed with all of his backs, which you always like to hear your position coach say. But in that conversation, he singled out Kareem Walker as having a great camp. And it sure sounds like we're going to see four guys getting carries at least early, doesn't it, Angelique? It really does. I mean, I, I guess God are the days, and maybe I'm still too old school. I still hang on the idea of your marquee back and the guy who's really going to carry the load. But um, and, and maybe that's what will eventually happen. Maybe someone will really separate and become that guy. But Right now, they're content with, with uh, tailback by committee, and they like what Ty Isaac's done. I mean, he, he got lean last year and, and dropped a bunch of weight, 15 pounds, I think. And, and you know, he's been way more serious. And, and Jay said he's the most improved in pass protection. And, and that's always key with a running backs coach and who sees the field and when. And, um, I, I mean, I think Cron Higdon's guy, John O'Corn, raved about his, his burst and that he hasn't seen one like that. And then you got Chris Evans, who played a lot last year and, and can be dazzling. So they do have a lot of options. And Kareem Walker is a guy everybody wants to see. I think they really wanted to see him. You know, everybody knows he was, he was held up by academics and getting his uh, all that together last year. But um, I think spring was good for him, and they like what he, he did in the offseason. So, yeah, I think they're all going to see the field. And, and I do think at some point they're going to start writing one of them. But I don't think it's, that's, you know, that's it. They're going to see who's got the hot hand in each game and, and then go with it, which I think is the only way you can you can handle this kind of group. No, I think it's a, a good group. And as the season progresses, you know what? It never hurts to have a few extra guys that can, uh, can be effective. So I like what we've got there. I also can't wait to see how many guys line up at wide receiver uh, and the slot mm-hmm. this week. Someone uh, has to produce in this group. But in, in all the years you've been covering this team, have you ever seen uh, this much talented wide receiver, at least on paper? Not this much. I mean, certainly I've seen a lot of talented receivers come through here, but this this seems like a, a large group. And uh, I, I think it's it's going to be really interesting to see. I mean, so much talk about Tariq Black from his spring practice. And, boy, people talk about Donovan Peoples-Jones like uh, like he could be really something special. And I think that's what, what's expected, being the, the high-ranked recruit that he was coming out of Detroit. And, um, but then you've got Eddie McGoom and you got Kakoa Crawford and you got some of the older guys. I mean, Grant Perry has really, people talk a lot about him and the, the veteran leadership he brings. And then there's Mo Ways too. So, um, I, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a very athletic group. It's a group that brings a lot of speed and, and athleticism. And I, I am really curious to see what's on the table with that group because I, I mean, it, you're right. I, I don't remember seeing I can't remember a group that, mm-hmm. of that many receivers who are that talented at Michigan. We're assuming on paper they're talented, like you said. So we got to see it on the field. But, you know, if, if all the, uh, all the uh, high school recruiting pundits are right, it should be an awfully good group. You're right. As we've said, on paper, it is a great group. These uh, kids have accomplished a lot in their high school days. So now when the, uh, the big lights are on or in the big house, we'll see what happens. Uh, at the tight end spot, Jake Butt is gone, uh, and we have a slimmed-down Tyrone Wheatley, who the coaching staff seems to think is really having a good camp. 
We have Ian Bunting, who I've always liked. And we've got McKeon, Zach Gentry, who the coaching staff mentioned again last week, having a really nice camp. So, yeah, Jake's gone. But again, that's another position. Nice depth and talent there. Well, and I think this is, uh, you know, we're going to see Jim Harbaugh and his, his staff, how they're recruiting. I mean, this is where we're going to finally start seeing these classes and how good they are and, and not just on paper. And, and I think they have recruited really well. And, and um, I think Ian Bunting, I mean, I remember when he got recruited, Fred Jackson was on the staff and told me that at that time they thought he was the best athlete on the team. And that's high praise. And, and I think that he's been waiting his turn to be something uh, productive at tight end. And then there's Tyrone Wheatley who lost a lot of weight. I mean, that was his focus after spring. He wanted to drop more weight. And he has, and, and he wants to be more than just a blocking tight end. And, and I think if you remember that practice at Ford Field two years ago, that one-handed catch he made, I mean, that was, he, he definitely has hands. And, and, you know, it's just, they didn't have, they couldn't spread the ball around that much with, with Jake Butt around. But I think that, that that's what's going to happen. And, you know, I, I think Sean's going to be really good. And, and Zach Gentry, I think Harbaugh, I called him a madman, and he's been practicing like a madman during camp. And, <laughs> Not sure, sure what that means, but here's a guy who, you know, still misses playing quarterback. He still misses being that guy. And like you said, with control, the control of everything. He liked that aspect of playing quarterback, but he likes he likes that he's made this transition to tight end. He knows that that's what what's probably going to help him to the next level. And I think he's finally feeling very comfortable in the role. So it's again, it's another really deep group and. Um, I think that's what's exciting about this upcoming season is is seeing so many, not exactly they're not all new faces, but they're going to play a much bigger role and to see how they do in, in that in with those extra demands on them. Well, fullbacks have gone the way of the dinosaur, it seems, in modern college day football, much to uh, the chagrin of me, an old school guy who still likes to see a, a fullback uh, ready to go in front of that tailback. But we have Khalid Hill, and that's one guy Jim loves. I love watching him. He does the dirty work for those running backs. He's an outstanding blocker, great short yardage back, the touchdown maker, great hands because he was a tight end. He doesn't mm-hmm. get the attention that the you know the other position players do, the wide receivers, the running backs. But you know he is really a weapon. He's a Swiss Army knife kind of a guy, isn't he? He is, and he doesn't get the attention, but he gets the touchdowns. I yep. mean, he he bulldozes his way in from a yard or two yards in, and he's very consistent at that. And um, you know, then there's Henry Poggi too. And, and then now they've moved Ben Mason over and, and, uh, they rave. I mean, Jim Harbaugh raves about him, says he could be his favorite players. Jared Wangler has moved over from, from linebacker. So they've got a very deep group there, but yeah, it'll be Hill and, and Poggi. And, um, although they've assured that Ben Mason's going to play quite a bit, probably a lot on special teams, but, um, Khalid Hill joked, someone asked him if there was going to be, if, there are going to be more things for him, more packages. And he just said, yeah, yeah, you got to wait and see. And he wouldn't say, he said, it won't be crazy, but it'll be something a little bit added to his plate. And, um, but you're right as a tight end, he's, he's got very good hands. And um, I think he had, uh, I forget how many receiving touchdowns he had last year, but he had a few of those too, I think. Mm-hmm. And, um, and Pochi too. I mean, here's a guy who's, you know, he's had his, his chance and his time, but, uh, I think we'll see a little bit more of Henry too, and and uh, you know that that'll be the one-two punch at fullback. But they keep saying Ben Mason will be on the field, so that'll be interesting because they all the fullbacks. Kalin was saying that they got sick of facing him in practice in the spring, and now they were thrilled that he joined their group, so they didn't have to get hit by him anymore. <laughs> My guest on this week's Michigan Game Day segment as we get ready for that Florida opener is beat writer Angelique Shingelis from the Detroit News. 
Let's talk about the defense, Angelique. Uh, Don Brown seems very confident his defense will be very good again this year. And with Rashawn Gary, Mohurst, Chase Winovich, and Brian Monet up front, you can see why he's confident. The secondary, for most of us, is that question mark. Although, uh, from what I read, they had some pretty good practices last week and uh, have been making gains. Uh, but the cornerbacks, uh, that's going to be the, those two corners are going to be the uh, positions I'm watching uh, when Florida has the ball. Well, you and uh, Mike Zordich. I mean, <laughs> he came out, was it a week ago, it was Day of the Eclipse, and he was, he really kind of went on, not a rant, I was, he was sort of like he was venting a little bit about how he's disappointed that no one has really taken the job and run with it. And he went on and on and on, and I said, hey, is this coach speak? And he goes, no, 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 it's not coach speak. But Mike, he said he did want them to read the comments. And to me, that sort of sounds like, hey, you, they're not listening to him telling. It's like you don't listen to your dad who tells you something, but you might listen to your uncle who's telling you yeah. the same thing. So instead of hearing it from them, they would read it. Even though it's his comment, they'd read it, and we've all written it. And I saw Mike later, and, and I said, that was a little coach speak, right? He said a little bit, and he said, I really want them to read this. So he said, I want them to just kind of take it in and, and understand what I've been trying to say to them. And so Laverne Hill says that they did read it. They heard about it, read it, and they did respond. And you talked about the improved practices, and, and those are the practices after he made those comments. And is that going to make them a great, uh, make them great corners? Not yet, but I, you know, again, I think his frustration was the athleticism is there, the, inex the inexperience is also there, but the athleticism trumps that. And if he can get them all to understand and believe in that, then they'll be fine. And and he did also say, look, sky's not falling; it's there. It's just a matter of of making them aware of it. So yeah, I do, but I agree with you. I think that's an area of concern. And, uh, and I mean, I think the entire secondary is, I think, you, you know, we talked about offensive line and secondary, and I think those are the two position groups. So I think the front seven will be pretty good uh, this fall. I agree. And, you know, when you look at a defense, coaches always say the learning curve for, for young players on defense isn't what it is on the other side of the ball on offense. Mm -hmm. Young guys can come in and if they are ready, they can play at a high level pretty early. There's a lot of pressure, of course, uh, especially when compared to last year's defense, it's really not fair unfair or not, it looks like this defense is going to, at least early, have to carry the load for this team. And that starts Saturday and probably early in the season. Um, they have to play pretty big, don't they? I think so. And, and you know, it's, it's interesting what you said about the defense and comparing it to last year, because I remember talking to guys like Chris Wormley and Taco at Pro Day, Mike, and and they were certain. I mean, they were. It wasn't. It wasn't player speak. It, they were certain that this defensive line, at least, will be more athletic than they were last year. And I thought that was pretty high praise because I thought that was a pretty athletic uh, defensive line. But you know, across the board, they've got besides Hurst and, and Gary, they've got Monet and they've got Chase Winovich and and Chris Wormley is saying that that he thinks Chase Winovich will be the the player that really surprises people on the defensive line now. Don Brown has already said Rashawn Gary is the best player he's seen in that position. And then he raves about Maurice Hurst, who's already projected, what, I think a top six, top mm -hmm. nine uh, guy in the upcoming draft by, by Todd McShay. So uh, clearly there's a lot of ex expectations there and, and from within. I mean, they all want to be really good and they all want to be the best deep at the line. And they know that they're their second group that they were last year, that that's just not quite there yet. But they've got some good pieces in a guy like Carlo Kemp, for instance, and once those guys get better, I think that you're going to see even a more solid defensive line performance. But 
um, yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you. It's because we don't know enough about this offense to say maybe they know in practice that they're really clicking and that this offensive line is, is really the thing and, and the running backs are going the way they should and Wilton's connecting with these young receivers and his timings there. But I think because we don't know that, I think for sure, and even if we do know it, you know, I think yeah. for sure the defense has to be the one keeping them in these games. And, you know, based on what they said, they like that role, Mike. And um, I think that's the only, that's a huge positive going into a season and, and playing a big opener against Florida. Well, there's so many things we don't know and won't know. Uh, maybe not even uh, during the Florida game. We'll have to see as the season develops. But one of the areas I think we should be concerned about is uh, first the kicking game. We have to see uh, mm-hmm. Quinn Nordine's big leg. I mean, we saw it in the spring. No question the kid can kick. People on the west side of the state saw him in high school. He went to all the kicking camps. He was uh, was chosen as the best place kicker in the country his senior year. Who the punter is uh, could be young Mr. Robbins from Westerville mm-hmm. South down in Ohio. That's going to be key this year with these two new young guys. It's totally the key. Brady Hoke used to make fun of me because I'd always ask about the punting. Because it's such a weapon. I mean, Kenny Allen was a weapon, as you just pointed out. And and it's always undervalued, I think. And, and I think that's what you're pointing out. And, I, you know, I think that uh, it's sort of been an area that people have watched over this preseason camp. I finally asked Jim about it, uh, the one availability we had with him. And he seemed pretty confident with the group of kickers and saying it's going down to the wire. But, you know, Quinn Nordine will be, will be the guy. I mean, he's, he does have a huge leg. And, and I think what was holding him back last year from what I was told is he was just having some technique issues with his plant foot. And um, I think he's worked through that and he certainly looked sharp in, in spring, the, pre- the three practices I got to see out in, in Italy. And, um, you know, I think that, that you're right. They'll have a, the youngster will be, uh, I mean, he really impressed Harbaugh this, this camp. And so I think he's a guy who'll be out there, but you know, you don't know what nerves are. I'm sure it's, it's a lot different for a guy like that kicking in front of 115,000 people at Michigan Stadium and, and whatever the capacity is at a Jerry World, world. I should know that. You know, they feel. I think they feel pretty confident with that. And and even in the return game, I mean, they they've tried so many different different players. And Jay Harbaugh wasn't ready to really narrow down that list. He, he listed like 25 players. I'm surprised you weren't on there actually, Mike. But um, I mean, I think that they're going to be okay. But again, it's it's. We just haven't seen them in, in, you know, what do they like to say with live bullets flying? We haven't seen that yet. And, um, but I, I think I really am looking forward to seeing Quinn Nordine because I, I think he's, he's going to be a special uh, kicker. And he's, uh, from what I understand, he's extremely well liked on the team, which I don't know if that makes any difference for a kicker. Nobody ever pays attention to them, but, <laughs> but he is. And he's got, he has a great leg. Well, important areas, though, as we've, we've said, kicking, punting in the return game. Uh, we've been spoiled uh, last, the last few years with Jabril Peppers being back there. Another stat that just sort of, uh, Pops your eyeballs is last year at Michigan's offense. The average starting point on drives was the 40-yard line because, mm. you know, Jabril was back there, and a lot of times they just kicked it away from him, and it is an undervalued part of the game. But when you have an offense like Michigan's was last year, even an offense that might struggle somewhat, you start at mm-hmm. the 40-yard line, you're going to cash in mm-hmm. more times than not. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's... <laughs> It's huge, and you know, I think I'm so glad you mentioned that, Mike, because it, that that is such an important part of this, and and especially for an offense that we don't know that much about. And I, I maybe I should keep stop saying that they're so young because there are guys who are veterans on this team. I mean, they're upperclassmen, but again, I mean, just because we don't know 
what they can do as a group. I, I mean, I, I think you cannot, uh, you cannot underestimate what a great kicking game can do and a return game. And I mean, it's free yards that they're getting when you got a guy like Jabril Peppers and uh, even at times Jordan Lewis was back there and, and a couple of the other guys. I mean, those are free yards that you get for your offense. And um, boy, you listen to them. They've got a lot of fast players on this team, though. There's some really quick guys. So it'll be really interesting to see who kind of takes over that role for Jabril. And uh, we didn't even talk about Viper. We didn't even talk about Jabril until mm. now. So that's pretty amazing, actually. Well, there's uh, so much to uh, think about and worry about uh, before Saturday's game, and we haven't even talked about our opponent, uh, Florida, yet, so I'd just like to spend (laughs) a a couple of minutes on those guys. And despite their off-field issues, and we've all heard and read about that in the last couple of weeks, Florida, I'm sure, is going to be ready to rock on Saturday, and it sounds like they might be rolling with three quarterbacks. At least Mm -hmm. Jim McElwain is throwing that out there, and I am really not sure if I believe that. But I know it's a very unproven position for the Gators, Angelique. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure I believe it either. But, you know, the stuff I've read, though, I mean, you know, everything everybody thought Zayer would come in and be the guy. And I guess he's had some timing issues and trying to really get into that offense and, and really get it nailed down. So I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised to see two. I would be surprised to see three. But, um, yeah, I mean, they, they have had some issues off the field issues. And I think – Listening to different beat writers, depending on who who you talk to, some say that that those suspensions aren't really going to affect Florida. They weren't key players except for one, and and that one's a pretty big one in Callaway. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think that that you know he's a guy with his absence. I think that is definitely a boost for for Michigan. He's a guy who's their biggest playmaker, and um and without him for a quarterback, you know for a one of these quarterbacks to have that weapon there, I think, and it's missing. I think that's a big deal. But you're right. I mean, they're not going to come here and go into Texas and and uh, wimp out. I mean, they're, they're going to be ready for this too. And and you know, he's playing. Not going to be playing his little games too. So uh, taking his little digs at Michigan with the depth chart or the the roster. Pardon me. So I think it's going to be fun. Really, I think it's going to be a great way to start the season. I. I I don't. I don't know why. I think Michigan has a little bit more fire, firepower because I keep saying we haven't really seen it. But um, just based on paper, I think I, I think Michigan's got a little bit of an advantage going in with, with these athletes that they have. Well, you know, Michigan fans are so focused on Michigan all the time, from um, the season through the recruiting wars to spring ball. But you know, guess what? Uh, Florida has had some big time recruiting classes the uh-huh. last three years. You you look at in February on National Signing Day. They're right there with Michigan. They sent seven yep. players to the NFL from last year's defense. Not too shabby. Um, they have an NFL caliber running back uh, right now. A real okay. fire plug of a running back. Hard to bring down. They have a boatload of four and five star receivers. Yes, just like Michigan. They are untested or unproven. And yes, they'll miss Callaway. No question about that. They also have four starters back in that offensive line. A very good offensive line. Mm-hmm. So I guess what I'm trying to say is we have lots of talent, but so do the Gators. Yes, yes. I mean, the, yeah, no, you're right. The focus has been really, I don't think anybody's really talked that much about Florida, which has been surprising. But And the focus has been on Michigan because of all the new pieces. But, but you're right. And I, I think the fact that, you know, I think that their strength and their running back, I think that plays into Michigan's strength, though. I think that that, that might cancel, cancel one another out. But uh, I do think missing Callaway is going to be big, and and just because of the quarterback situation, because there is a little bit of an unknown there. And um, while I think he's playing around a little bit, McElwain, I do think there have been some issues based on 
a couple of the guys I've talked to who cover the Gators and what I've read is that it's just not quite, it's not quite seasoned enough. And, and then, you know, you got Michigan with Wilton Spate who does, he does, he has a year of, of starting behind him and he's lost weight and he's made efforts to improve his game. So, um, you know, I think that they'll, they'll have a, I think Michigan's defense will have a, a, a easier time with Florida's offense because of that suspension and because of the quarterback situation. Although, you know, Dolphins line, you're right. It's got some veterans, but so does Michigan's defense line. Exactly. For both teams, Michigan and Florida, they're both, you know, fairly young, a lot of question marks. So for sure in the opener, um, a win for either of those teams, big confidence builder. And, you know, you're not opening up against a team where you sort of know you're going to roll out there and play a lot of guys mm-hmm. and win. Um, I like this, getting a big test early to give you, uh, the staff, a real good idea of how guys are going to react. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's all like they used to say about having Notre Dame as the first game, great measuring stick game. Well, I thought it would be, uh, you know, maybe they should have opened with my Bearcats, with my Cincinnati Bearcats, and then really gotten gotten their way, gotten their confidence really built. Um, but that'll be the home opener. But yeah, no, I think this is a fun way to start the season. And I'm lukewarm on on the neutral side thing. I think it's kind of fun. It feels like a bowl game and all that stuff. But um, I, I think and even um, I think Ward Manuel last week said he's neutral on neutral side games. So I mean, yeah. they're going to make the gate like they would. At, in Ann Arbor, but I mean, I would prefer to see this game, you know, I, I'd prefer to see this as a home and home. And I think that would be really exciting for college football, but I don't think those, I, I just can't see that happening. So with that off the board, I think this is a, a great way to, to start the season for Michigan and for Florida and um, to get that kind of that hype. I mean, it's definitely, you know, I think that the Alabama gets, that that's taking some of the the luster off of this, but it's not too much. I mean, I think people are really anticipating this one a lot. Yeah, it's going to be a great Saturday of football. Some really interesting games to uh, to take in this coming Saturday. I don't do win or loss predictions. They drive me nuts. I know they drive Ugh, you crazy too them. to have to Ugh. do them. Yeah, I, I just is it's crazy. You can't do it, and I would not even hazard a guess on the Michigan season. Um, we know the talent is incredible on this team. The expectations are high. Are they too high? Well. Uh, I don't know. But to me, until this team plays four or five, maybe six games, uh, I don't think we're even going to be sure, you know, where we are uh, with this team. You are so right. I wish you'd talk to my editors, Mike. I mean, <laughs> you know, we do that every year. We have to, okay, we need your game-by-game your game game predictions. I'm like, this is like the hardest year to do it. And, and not that it's ever easy or that you really know what's going to happen. You, I mean, of course you don't. And if we did, we'd all be in Vegas and breaking yeah. in some big bucks and, and not doing podcasts, Mike, right? Right. <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, no, I mean, I think it, I, I went with 10 and 2 because I, I think you could, you could argue they could lose four games, but you could also argue they could win, you know, 11. I, I just, it's it's pure guesswork this time. I mean, you really, because we have not seen all these elements on the field together in a real live game situation, or most of them together, I think it's been really hard to read. Now, I think that the, the road schedule is tough, and I have them losing one of the two, and I really didn't know. I'm like, oh, Penn State, Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin took a big blow on their defense, and They've got some, you know, an injury issue, and then they, they I'm not sure that their defense is going to be as good as it was before. they got a new defensive coordinator. I think they're beatable on the road. Tough place to play, but they're beatable. Penn State's beatable, too, but, I, you know, I think it's be hard for them to win a couple of these road games, mm-hmm. more than one. So, 
I don't know, with that in mind, I, I, you know, and I think Ohio State's just reloaded and for another big, big season. I could, I think you could argue they, they will go undefeated, but um, I think that would be a tough one to win, even in Ann Arbor. But, um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I think that they, Michigan's got a chance to win. I, I think another 10, 10-win season is very reasonable, and I think people say, oh, my God, a third-straight 10-win season? Well, I mean, that'd be pretty good with all this this influx of talent and losing, only having only five returning starters. I, I think 10 wins would be pretty, pretty nice. And that sort of leads into my final question uh, for you here today, Angelique. Uh, we've read over and over this offseason, especially uh, from national writers, that year three is sort of the tipping point uh, for great coaches so that we can tell, are they headed in the right direction? And most often mentioned is Nick Saban and our buddy Urban uh, down there in Columbus with their big second and third years. And I don't like those comparisons because, uh, you know, I think each situation, is it's unique, it's different. That said, it's uh, it's been a Jim Harbaugh love fest around here for the last two years. How important do you think this third year is for what Jim is trying to accomplish overall at Michigan? I think if he led this team to ten wins, I think that would be very admirable, considering the newness and the and the uh, the freshman players. And I do think it's a tough schedule. I don't think you know people are like, oh, you know, it's kind of nice just to Cody. No, it's not easy to go to Madison, and you know it's it's not easy to go to Penn state for a whiteout and it'll probably be a night game. Those are not easy games. It's not easy to go to Florida. I mean, to go to Texas, open your season against Florida. I think that, yes, I think that there will be, if they lose to Ohio state again, there will be a lot of rumblings and, you know, people are, I think Michigan fans are already numb to losing to Ohio state so much, but being so close last year and, um, and not getting that one, I think is, is a, the frustration level is very high not beating Ohio State, but um, again, I think you got to look at what Ohio State's going to come back with, and they, they are loaded, and they've got a, a veteran, veteran quarterback, and they've got such a strong team across the board. Um, you know, I think you got to you got to give some credit to the Buckeyes in that one. If if Michigan does indeed lose that one, so I'm not, I, I'm saying don't. If he doesn't get you know 11 wins, if they don't win a Big Ten title. People are going to make fun. You know, it's going to be more of the oh, okay, third place in the in the Big Ten and ten wins. Ooh, there's not they're not making any improvements. Well, I think that would be an actually pretty good season. And I think you look at at next year as the year where these guys are going to be seasoned. They're going to have a lot of starts under their belt. And yes, they have some of their big games on the road, their rivalry games, but. Um, I don't know. They played pretty well in those rivalry games on the road last year. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm not writing this season off, Mike. I'm not trying to say that. I'm just saying uh, if they don't, if they don't want a Big Ten title, I don't think Michigan fans should should go haywire and and think that the sky's falling and that Jim Harbaugh's not the right guy because he's done so much for the program in these last couple of years and he's he's bringing them back into a, a recruiting, you know, prominence in in recruiting. They're they're right up there with with the big the other big guns. And, um, and they're in these games. I mean, they, they lost three games by such a small margin and they're close. So uh, it'll come. I just, you know, I don't know that it'll come this year again. They may fool us all and, and, and roll through it with all this young talent. But, um, I, I think they're probably year four probably is one. I think I said that when he first got, got the job mm-hmm. looking, you know, looking at what he inherited, I really did think it would probably be more like year four, but, um, if he had another 10-1 season, is 30 wins in three years, is that bad? 
don't no, think that's it's bad. No, it's not. And, and that's, that's where I am with it, too. I mean, it's hard to tell a lot of fans that. They're not, you know, not everyone wants to think about the big picture, about long-term um, sustainability, which is, you know, what Jim is doing. And everyone wants to compare year three at Michigan with year three for Urban Meyer at Ohio State. Well, Urban Meyer came in with a, a mm-hmm. chock full of talent. I mean, Trestle, yes. Trestle yes. And, and left for, an, for another reason. It wasn't because he wasn't recruiting players. Yes. Um, it was a different situation when Jim came in here. Although, uh, as the draft uh, showed us last year, there was a lot of talent. So, And that's why I say every situation is different. Um, yeah, it wouldn't be the end of the world if Michigan doesn't beat Ohio State this year. But I think, you know what? I think that's going to be a game. I think it's going to be a much better game than people think. So we can't get the uh, the horse before the cart. We have uh, 11 other games to worry about that. So it all starts That's the only one I think about all the time, though. <laughs> I get emails starting in January thinking about that game. So, And I know we the team is going to be doing some a little something every week to get ready for that game. But mm-hmm. um, let's get Florida first. And, of course, that's Saturday at 3.30 p.m., and it's just good to have college football back, isn't it, Angelique? It is. I'll stop whining about the summer ending. Yes, it's great (laughs) to have college football back. It's the best time of the year, and, um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm I'm looking forward to to all of it, and I'm looking forward to Monday and seeing how little Jim Harbaugh reveals. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, no, I, I am. I am looking forward to this. I, I really am looking forward to seeing how good these, these young, these young players are. And we've heard so much during camp and definitely no submarine. We've got a lot of access this year. <laughs> so, um, I mean, I, I think they're confident. So that's, 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 uh, the first step and, and they must be confident for a good reason. So, uh, I just am really looking forward to seeing it. I really am seeing how the whole uh, the whole Big Ten race unfolds, too. Well, my guest today on our Michigan Game Day segment has been beat writer Angelique Shengelis from the Detroit News as we get ready for the big Florida opener. As always, Angelique, uh, I can't imagine previewing the first game without you being with us, so thank you, and we look forward to that next visit. Well, Mike, I thought we'd preview the Cincinnati game. You well, might I have can, a little bit of a... You might have some <laughs> uh, insight on your alma mater there, so that's... Yeah, uh, yeah. I can't share that with you. <laughs> but thank you, Mike. I really do appreciate it. Wolverine Quick Hits is next as we wrap it up for our first Michigan game day show here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. On Quick Hits today, it appears we head into Saturday's opener in pretty darn good health. Carlo Kemp has a broken hand, but he is practicing and ready to go. Freshman defensive lineman Luigi Villain is dinged up a bit, but Greg Madison said he's okay for Saturday. Jim Harbaugh held his first Monday presser of the season, and it was pretty much what we expected. A lot of fun, but he wasn't giving us anything. He said he hasn't heard who Florida's starting quarterback is, so he's not announcing his. He said nobody is making a big deal about Florida not announcing their starter yet. He said the game plan has been put in place and communicated to the quarterbacks. He said he looks forward to the competition and finding out where his team is. Jim said everyone has made strides. He mentioned the offensive line specifically 
Athleticism is very good. Mental errors have been reduced. It's a locked-in group, more focused, Harbaugh said. Jim mentioned Lavert Hill, Brandon Watson, and David Long as cornerbacks competing to get the start on Saturday. On the defensive line depth, Jim said we're not a finished product, still opportunity to be had there and positions to be solidified. Jim said the college football is unique. No other sport he can think of that doesn't have a preseason. Better be ready to play the first game, Harbaugh said. Don't forget our free show app is available now from the Google Play and iTunes stores. This season, you can listen to us on iHeart, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Wolverine Sports Radio. So don't miss an episode this season. Check out our app and join us each Tuesday and Thursday during the season for the latest news on your Wolverines. That will do it for our first Michigan game day show of the season. On Thursday's visitors segment, we'll hear what the Gators think about the opener with us. We'll hear from two members of the Gator media crew for their take on the game. Former Florida running back Brady Ackerman, who is the sideline reporter and pre- and post-game host on the Gator Radio Network, and beat writer Scott Carter from FloridaGators.com. So make sure you join us on Thursday for that. Thanks again to my guest today, the angel of the big house, beat writer Angelique Shengelis from the Detroit News. She is always a pleasure to have on the show. It's almost game time, Michigan fans. If you're like me, you can't wait to tee it up on Saturday and get this thing underway. I have no idea what to expect, and that's kind of what makes college football what it is, a lot of fun. As Jim Harbaugh said, new faces, new opportunities, that's what it's about. So until Thursday, I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Have a great Wolverine week, everyone. Take care, and as always, go Blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. That's themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!